I had lost track of which day it was. I glanced at a newspaper that a passenger left on the seat. Under the February 2nd, 1943 date, the headline proclaimed boldly, German surrender at Stalingrad. A good sign, it seemed, that today of all days was the first big defeat of Hitler's armies. I smiled. This war couldn't last much longer. The conductor gracefully maneuvered down the aisles despite the jerky movement of the train. Next up, Tucson, Arizona, he bellowed. I picked up my small bag and prepared to disembark, wishing I could borrow some of his confidence for what I was about to do. I stood at the top of the platform steps, looking for a man who resembled the tattered picture I held in my hand. The picture was over ten years old, and Dietrich's descriptive skills left much to be desired. He's sort of tall, but not really. Average build, dark hair, I think. Don't worry, he'll find you. Dietrich was right, like always. There was only one man standing at the station, and he looked similar to the man in the photograph. In the picture, though, he was laughing, young and carefree. The man standing on the platform looked serious, hat in hand, waiting to fulfill a promise he had made to his longtime friend from seminary days to sponsor me, a complete stranger, a German refugee on the lamb. I took a deep breath, whispered a silent prayer, and stepped down from the train. My long journey had just come to an abrupt end in this dry, dusty, copper-mining town in Arizona. Reverend Gordon? Slowly the man nodded, tilting his head, a puzzled look on his face. I'm Louisa, Louisa Schmetterling. I hope I didn't keep you waiting. We shook hands. Then came an awkward pause. Did you have a pleasant trip? He asked politely, still looking a little surprised. Yes, it was fine, I lied. Why did he keep looking at me as if he was expecting someone else? Just as another train came roaring into the station, we pulled away in Reverend Gordon's 1937 Hudson Custom 8, a big black box of a car, and headed southeast on the two-lane highway out of Tucson toward Copper Springs. We passed a vast, harsh landscape of cactus, strange-looking trees with gnarled trunks and spindly arms, and jutting spires of rusty red rocks. Everywhere were sharp, angled rocks. I felt as if I landed on another planet, void of any trace of green. Still, I should have tried to hide my disappointment. I've never been good at masking my feelings. It's one of my worst faults. The Reverend noticed the look on my face. Quickly, he pointed out in what I would call a voice of quiet pride. It may not seem like much, but this state is known for copper. Even our state flag has a copper star in the center. Before the turn of the century, these copper mines created boom towns overnight. During the Depression, they almost turned into ghost towns.
Now, though, the war has created a huge demand for copper, and the mines have soared back into production. Mines near here are supplying almost three million pounds of copper a day. It's a very important commodity to help win the war. I nodded at him enthusiastically, as if I understood. The truth was that I knew very little about this place I had just arrived in, and even less about the man sitting next to me. All that I knew for certain was that Robert Gordon and Dietrich Bonhoeffer were in seminary together years ago. I tried to recall the few details Dietrich had told me. He said the reverend had been raised here, that his father had been a minister, and he was married and had a child. Reverend Gordon? Robert. Call me Robert. I smiled. Robert, there's something I need to discuss with you, something Dietrich wanted you to know. I don't know how much he might have told you about our, I, I mean, my situation.